I'm realizing that any word. I have less, while I still have great admiration for your many skills, I'm having a little less admiration for it because I realize that almost anything <laughs> in your hands can be turned into like innuendo that's uncomfortable. Putting something in my hands generally is a dangerous <laughs> proposition in that way. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something, but I'll save it for another time because I don't want to disrespect Alabaster's show. Wow. But I just you don't did, get you it. Did, you, you, you did get what I was doing there. Like, yeah, I, did. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Just wanted to be I got it. 100% clear on a show that is looking very different from the fake television show that we always do with each other and Alabaster. So Alabaster, what the hell? We just wanted everyone to get more Pablo and more Dominique today. With that said, Pablo, for us to do that, I do need you to respect the boxes, maybe lean oh. to your right a little bit, lean back so we can all see you. And then let's get going mm -hmm. with Debatable. We got some good topics I'm today. just realizing, hold on, I'm just realizing, now that we've gone to two boxes, are you thinking what I'm thinking, Pablo? Are you seeing that you're salt and I'm pepper? Did you just realize that, <laughs> that Alabaster has had a menu prepared with this in mind from day one? Or I guess we didn't put the menu in until like a couple weeks into the show. But as soon as it came up, he always knew I was going to be on this side and you'd be on that side. I really, uh, two things. Number one, I really resent being the ivory to your ebony in this way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we come up with a condiment that's no, I mean, like a, salt, like, like an, a no one, mustardy, no, no, maybe? No, no, like, no, I don't no, know. No, no, no. I? I think salt, salt is good because like people want salt on their food. It also can kill you, but I rarely feel like people saying, you know what this needs? Mo pepper. So there you go. You're, you're more popular than me. There is no way, though, that you are not the saltier one on this show, Dominique. No <laughs> way. I think that's right. I actually think Alabaster is the saltiest. Just read the stupid question. Right, yeah, Alabaster, I just want you to know that, and has been established already, I always respect the box. Okay. Okay. Um, let's get to this first question. Debatable country. <laughs> Let's ride. Did the Broncos Ooh, make the I right did. call extending Russell Wilson until he's 40? So your box is so tiny, man. I am just oh, sort of gosh. appreciating now oh, the gosh. other upside of all of this. Oh, like, it's gosh. funny. It's very oh, funny. Oh, okay. So, I like, didn't, you're not doing innuendo yeah. now. You're just being no, genuine. No, no, no. Okay, I just mean, good, like, right, right. Because yeah, that wasn't a good yeah, right one. There. I didn't like that one. No, no, no. That was just, that was just an observation of, of actual uh, TV production or fake TV production joy. Um, so there's a micro and there is a macro way to approach this question, Dominique, this mm -hmm. question right here. Um, do you want to take it from the Broncos perspective or from the NFL League perspective? Because this is spicy as well from that big macro way. But right. can we just tell people like what's actually happening here first off? Um, whatever perspective you want to start with, I will allow you to start with it because my son just ran down here and asked me a question. So you can start. Wait, what, did Declan's, what, did, macro, what did Declan say? I don't while know. I begin. Hold on. Okay, I'm, very I'm good. muted. Can you? Okay, great. I wanted to know what Declan thought about the fact that Russell Wilson just got a five-year extension worth $245 million with $165 million guaranteed, which is a lot of guarantees. A whole, why are we? I, I appreciate the ISO. I really do. But I do want people to understand that Dominique Foxworth is a great dad and a terrible fake television host. <laughs> He's still muted. <laughs> Unmute yourself. 
Dominique, for the love of God, I want My your bad. insight I, as I, to how I'm it back. is. I'm back. Relax. Relax. Stop drawing attention all to right. it. We had a fumble right. on the first play. Right. It's all right. We picked it up and that we're back. That wasn't a fumble. We're back. Yeah. That was an incomplete pass. <laughs> okay. A fumble. Okay. Um, cool. So the fact that he got 165, right? Yeah. And he's going to be age 40 when this contract is done. The micro perspective to me suggests that, look, we always knew the Broncos were going to be all in on Russell Wilson. They went all in with mm -hmm. him when they traded all those picks to get him. And so the money part of this, does any part of the micro here, the specific to the Broncos dynamic, does any of that open your eyes in any way? It just makes me think of Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I think yeah. the, okay, the macro. So We're going to the macro. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. I didn't realize that that was micro and what was macro. I'm confused. I thought, whatever. I'm not as smart as you, Pablo. I'm confused. We'll start with the specific contract in this case. He is old as far as quarterbacks are concerned. I am yes. not sure if we have entered a new dimension where old quarterbacks can play well or Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have duped a bunch of organizations into thinking that everyone can continue to play as great as they played into their old age. So that's what it boils down to for me as far as how good this decision is. Uh, I think Matt Ryan's the only other quarterback that could be considered. I guess he's over 35. So those are the only three I know of off the top of my head that are over 35 and still starting and still playing well. I think uh, Matt Stafford might be 34, but he's getting close. So I guess we can include him in that also, but he also has an injury that makes us very concerned about yes. how well he'll play going forward. So the question is whether that's a good investment or not from the team. The answer to me is yes. Football and sports and life is a bit of a risk-taking endeavor, particularly in football, even more than in life because the injuries are so high. So I think that if you have a quarterback who has shown the ability to play at I would say MVP level, but as you know, he's never received the MVP vote, Russell Wilson, but play at a very Correct. high level and you have him on your roster. The idea of locking him up for long term is always the wise move in earlier rather than later, which segues us into Lamar Jackson, unless you have something important to say. No, no, no. My New York real estate metaphor was established earlier on the show, but once you get a quarterback that you like, go jump on that right. long term deal. And Alabaster is already objecting to something. No, I, do, I don't object at all. I just have a question before we get to the Lamar oh. Jackson contract scale and everything that's going on with the quarterbacks. Dominique, what do you think Russell Wilson and the Broncos have to do for this contract to be deemed a success? They're in a loaded division with three other good quarterbacks, three other good teams. <laughs> the division is, is there ridiculous. A team, is there a sort yeah. of a team metric that will make the Broncos, Russell Wilson, and everyone around the NFL think of this as a successful deal? Well, I mean, I think we start from the top going down. Win a Super Bowl, obviously, we're all happy with that. I think it's a little unfair to Russell to measure him by team metrics the same way I will not give Jimmy Garoppolo credit for his, like, 70% winning percentage. I'm not going to hold Russell Wilson accountable or this contract accountable for uh, how many Super Bowls they're going to win. Because the NFL playoffs, it's March Madness. You get in there and maybe something happens, maybe something doesn't happen. You have to account for the fact that they are in this group of death. And that's a bit balanced by the fact that you have a seventh um, playoff team now. So I'm filibustering to figure out what the right metric is. Okay, and you I filibuster because I want to push back on the idea that we have just given up on a better term than group of death. Group of death is such, I mean, I get it's from soccer, group of yeah, death. I, it's, I, like I, it. I know what it's it means. A football. But it's like, not from soccer, it's from football. 
Okay. I get what you're doing there, I think. But I yeah. feel like we can come up with something better than Group of Death. Okay, well, come up with it. I mean, you just you just presenting problems, or you got solutions? <laughs> Get us kicked off, man! Like we're we're, we're here to ideate. How about I like a, group a, of a, I've been a, using a group of death. Club of Carnage. What? That's no group of death is not even like alliteration. So I don't know that you feel the need. I think it's more important to express the true feelings of the group than it is to like so make Russell it sound Wilson. Cheap. Russell Wilson should feel like he's about to die. Because Justin <laughs> Herbert is there and Mahomes is yes, there and also yeah, exactly. Derek Carr. Yeah. Exactly. He should not feel like he's in a club of carnage. Clubs aren't even scary. I mean, a clan of carnage. Well, Wanna talk about something scary? Club. Yeah. Depends on what time of night going to that club of carnage. You get hit it's with real the club. Weird. That's scary. Anyway, and, back to Russell and this team. The metric I would say, I mean, I think they need to be competitive. And I would more measure his success or the success or failure of this contract by Russell, like his performance. We have some uh, quarterback statistics that I think are as accurate as, as they've ever been. And yep. we also, he's going to be put in situations. The reason why you get a quarterback like this, I was going to say it's because you need him to like transcend the coaching, all the stuff that we've been talking about. But given their recent quarterback purgatory, they just want like serviceable so you don't even need him to do that. But I think when you're paying a quarterback the way that you're paying him is the expectation is sometimes it ain't going to be there and you need him to make it happen. And that's kind of what he specialized in for much of his career. I don't know if he's doing well, it as well as he always has, but making stuff happen when it ain't nothing there is what he's done. So I think as much as I would love to have something more tangible to like measure his success by, it's honestly like feel. When I'm watching but, them games, do I feel like Russell can put them back in it or not? And that's what it boils down to for me. Pete Carroll felt none of the things that you felt. No, no clearly. But what he did feel though was the pleasure of having a guy who was showing up to work every week, pretty much. Like, and wasn't missing games. That's the yeah. other part of this, right? Like the Russell Wilson thing, I like to laugh at his nano bubbles. I like to laugh at all of his catchphrases. I like to laugh at all of the pseudoscience that he engages in. But like Tom Brady, Dominique, I'm like, look, if the guy is healthy, then nano bubble the hell out of your brain, yeah. dude. Yeah. And his goal, I, yes, he says at age 33, this is set in March, his goal is to play another 10 to 12 years, which I laugh at. But then I'm like, Brady and all of, or whatever is left of him post-surgery yeah. is also still doing that. I mean, and shit. Russell's, your point about him being healthy, I think, also helps to argue for the fact that this is a good contract not only because he's going yes. to play but because he does not have the major injury that could shorten his career which is what we're seeing with matt stafford what we saw oh, with smelling um, a segue with smelling peyton manning smelling <laughs> a segue with... to the macro <laughs> smelling a macro segue we saw with peyton manning and what could potentially be the fear for why uh the ravens are not paying lamar jackson is that what you were looking for That's here we go segue um, accomplished <laughs> it, I do on the Lamar Jackson conversation. This hurts Lamar because it's another strike against him continuing the precedent of fully guaranteed contracts that was set by, I guess, Kirk Cousins. Then that baton was picked up by Deshaun Watson. What a weird and, exchange, yeah. <laughs> Cousins was, to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, um, and now I think Lamar Jackson was like 
trying to remain strong and keep this momentum going because I think a lot of quarterbacks would like that. I don't think other players care as much, but I think big time <laughs> yeah, we players. Can, we, should, we should clarify. So like yeah. the way that this is happening, where there is basically this dynamic where the most recent guy to get paid gets paid the best, right? right? Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed contract, which every other owner in the NFL hates the Browns' guts for. We covered that story on the show this week. That is throwing a bit of a fork into the pattern, the trajectory of how salaries work. Because A, like nobody else on the team is rooting for this, just to be very clear, right? It's, it's just a quarterback problem as you've established. But B, right, like this is what Lamar wants now. And if you're the Ravens, Dominique, you're watching this unfold and Russell Wilson's number gets announced by Adam Schefter or whoever. And I have to feel like uh, Bishotti, Steve Bishotti, owner of the team is like, Doing a Napoleon Dynamite like fist pump to himself, like this is yeah. great. This is I, great. I mean, I'm I'm a union guy across two sports, and I got players' rights in my blood. And I would like Deshaun Watson to get everything that he wants. But I would be lying if I said that I don't see the Ravens' perspective. In no one's been neither side's been explicit about what the holdup is in the contract negotiations, so we're assuming a little bit. Sorry, Alabas, I'll get this point out, then I'll no, get to just, you. In a just second. quickly, Lamar Jackson, you want Lamar Jackson to get everything that he wants? Oh, I said Deshaun Watson, yes. Oh, yes. yeah, well, notable correction. That. Yes, <laughs> that's important. That. Thank you for catching oh, that. Goodness gracious, man, <laughs> that's really let's dwell on how Please terrible don't that was. Cancel us. <laughs> yes, please do not. We do not want him. Never mind. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to move on completely back to uh, Lamar Jackson. Yes. The, I understand their position is like one dumb team did something dumb. We don't have to all now be dumb. Real dumb and yeah. immoral. Yes. And I mean, there are lots of teams who are in position to do that, but one team actually did it. And I guess you would argue it wasn't dumb for them because they had to to get the player that they wanted. The moral part aside, because I don't really like expect uh, morality out of team owners or NFL teams or the league in general, but I I get that some others do. So that is their position, and that seems like a reasonable position. But also, Lamar Jackson's position also very reasonable. I'm better than him. He got paid a lot. Pay me a lot, and just because an older quarterback has signed this uh, extension doesn't mean that uh, Lamar Jackson should have to sign it also. So like, it's a really, really terrible position to be in for both the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, the negotiation table, to the extent that there is a literal table and not just, I don't know, is there's like text at this point, if you're not represented <laughs> by an agent, are you just like, sort of like thumbs upping or ha haing like the group chat oh, no, messages? It's, it's, it's all about Twitter. It's all about negotiating. That's right. Twitter. So when you're passive aggressively replying in your mentions to people, indicating your true feelings, I mean, it does, it does stand to reason Lamar Jackson would feel, A, I am not Russell Wilson. I'm younger. I'm yeah. better. I have an MVP. I've gotten many MVP votes. Yeah. But the second thing is he references the chronology. Like, I thought the new deal is supposed to be better than the last deal. Right. And so I think he would still hold out. I mean, maybe not literally hold out, right. but that would be the question now, Dominique. Is this yeah. worthy of holding out over? The new deal is better than the last deal, but we also need to account for sometimes it takes a year because like if you're in one offseason, the cap has not increased in that offseason, which all these or yeah, these contracts that we're talking about took place.
their offseason. So I don't necessarily think that the new deal should be higher than the last deal every time. But in this case, Lamar Jackson has an argument for him being the best quarterback right now to like get a new deal. So who are you going to compare him to? Compare him to someone who has not had the team or individual success that he's had, which is Deshaun Watson, or compare him to someone who's had more team success, but not the individual success, who is significantly older. Like it's it's a tough spot to be in. And it's impressive that Lamar Jackson is showing this resolve because I imagine that the Ravens would sign him to 150, 160 guaranteed immediately 170 mm-hmm. guaranteed whatever he they're sliding across the table to him he's saying no to that and that to it's me remarkable. is impressive given <laughs> that the leverage is always on the team side to some degree because they they maintain because the franchise tag the body also, is an imperfect yeah. meat sack and we yes. all get injured in the job Very that true. you do and so they, we did yeah and, and they and maintain the, the the franchise tag as some leverage but the leverage switches that's right once you put the franchise tag on them one year <laughs> it starts to shift back to the players and that's something that they don't want to do there there are a year or two away from that now but but, but how much blame do you think gets shifted to Russell Wilson among the quarterback club, the club of carnage that is the quarterback high-end club? Because, like, Russell, right? Speaking of leverage, Russell had leverage everything we've said, all the draft picks that they traded to get him. The fact that, obviously, John Elway, much like your house, has a flawed design. Right, that has resulted in lots of people coming through their building that they actually didn't want to walk in. Right, all of the six five ish quarterbacks they need Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson did not use that leverage to demand those guarantees to beat Deshaun Watson's guarantees. He said something reasonable, personally, which is like, I don't need that. This is a great deal. Let's make it happen. Yeah, he's and Lamar, like two years. Lamar's got to be thinking a little sideways, seeing a little yeah. sideways at him. Yeah, I mean, the, the I feel like we should respect the question to some degree and focus more on the Ravens. I mean, excuse me, focus more on the Broncos than the Ravens, two of my former teams. I That's right. certainly find the Lamar Jackson angle interesting, but we, we did that a bunch yesterday. I do want to revisit. And we'll do more. Yeah, yeah what's going to happen with this team and is the investment worth it? My initial instinct is investment's always worth it if you get a, a top-of-the-league quarterback. Same. But now, yeah, but yeah. now, I, can, I, I know what you're doing, Dominique. I know what you're doing. You have begun to realize what the takes could sound like if you <laughs> wanted to be against this being a good deal. And there are some juicy yeah. ones, man. Yeah. You paid all of this guaranteed money, nine figures for a third place team that does not make the playoffs. Congratulations, <sighs> Don Elway, you moron. Yeah. <laughs> and to be, there are still some Russell. Wilson questions, I guess. Yes, he has been declining for four years now, again, in a kitchen that he did not have privileges to cook by the end. But like, nonetheless, he's been declining. I think there is still a bit of a question if free Chef Russell is the best version of Chef Russell. Mm. I mean, anyone who has dabbled in any like endeavors of creativity, I think appreciates that Creativity is probably at its best when there are constraints. Like the idea of a blank sheet of paper is like exciting, but then you get it and you don't know where to start. And I think (laughs) 
that we could possibly find out that that is the case for Russell Wilson also because he's been oh, being a magician <laughs> inside the confines of Pete Carroll's antiquated um, football mind where it's like we run on first down, we run on second down, then we throw, and we yep. play really good defense. And so the idea that now he's going to a team that has new ownership, new coach Nathaniel Hackett. You should Hackett. also say that, yes, billionaires who presumably are very excited to get their star locked up. Yep. Yep, new ownership uh, and a new head coach, first-time head coach, and they got this new star. It seems that he has the power and leverage to do whatever the hell he wants to do, kind of like Peyton Manning did yeah. when he when he went to um, – to the Broncos, and I'm not so sure that that'll work out. I, I I hate to bet against it, but no, I like honestly. I've been we started off with such a solid economic theory of this question, right? And now all I want is the take. <laughs> it's 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 just it's going to be so much easier to be the take guy who says this was not worth it because the result does not justify the process, even though the process should justify the result, as I've said. But speaking of benefiting from the constraints by being, speaking of benefiting from being the rebel inside of the machine, inside of the framework, Alabaster, what do you think? Sorry. Sorry, I was just totally into that conversation. What do I think? I think it's like a pretty scary proposition that Russell Wilson has been declining for this long. Um, Particularly the fact that like, I think we all want to say that his second half of the season struggles last year were because of his finger and not actually because he was declining. But if you look at the year before, the one year they did let Russ cook and everyone thought it was a let Russ cook revolution, he stunk the second half of that season too. I shouldn't say stunk. But I would be very worried that he's just never going to climb the mountain of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and the and the Broncos are going to be stuck. So, so let's let's put it let's put it bluntly, Alabaster. Let's all vote on this. Do the Denver Broncos make the playoffs in the next three years? Yes, I think the answer is yes because it's not that he. This is one of those teams that just needed a quarterback and. Their defense is loaded. They got receivers. Their offensive line, surprisingly, is not as much of an upgrade over the Seahawks offensive line as you would have hoped and what I think I imagined. But they have good offensive skill players. They have a decent offensive line. And they have a really, really talented defense because that was all they had in the past several seasons was defense. So... I think I have to bet at some point they'll oh, make the playoffs. Oh, I think I have to bet. So many words before there's you seven, say yes. There's seven. There's seven <laughs> spots. Okay, okay, then, Pablo, you give the you give the take then. You say definitive. no. Definitive. They are not making the playoffs. Russell Wilson is going to enter an experimental art phase in which he is free from structure. He's going to wear a beret and it's going to get real <laughs> goddamn weird. Enjoy that, John Elway. <laughs> Here's my take. All four teams in the AFC West make the playoffs this year. Extra playoff spot, all four of them make it. Statistically, oh. is that even possible? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know that was possible. What I mean, like, now. what is the is that single digit? So um, every but like the worst team so nine and like, eight teams. Nine and we got, eight. We got seventeen games. We got seven playoff teams. It's possible now. Okay, we'll see. I don't like. I don't. I'm. I'm not reminded. I just don't like the eighteenth game. <laughs> 
just because all of 17th weeks again yeah i'm already confused it's just i don't i all of my half-ass takes i'm gonna have to do the math before i yell them now (laughs) like yeah nine and six ain't what it used to be no no yeah that is we still got one week to go all right i think we beat down this uh horse i was gonna go with bronco but mm, (laughs) i didn't i decided not to Uh, for the best um, all right, let's move on to Serena, which was the other big story from last night. And my question for you, after she knocked off Annette Conovit, the number two seed, what do you expect from Serena Williams for the rest of the U.S. Open? Man, is, I, is the T silent in Contivit? Like, I, uh, no, I've that was just it. me being not eloquent, Contivit. Okay. Okay. No, you, no, you said Contivit. I just wasn't sure because I've heard it both ways. I wanted to get it right. Don't want to mess up my Estonian. But it is it is worth clarifying as the Estonian aspect of this conversation is concerned. Like watching this match, I was like, wow, um, this number two ranked player in the world, like it looks real easy for her. It looks real easy for her at times. Like there were these streaks where Serena looked old as hell. Yeah. And then there were those times where Serena it, it, it's it's weird to be David and Goliath. Right. That's <laughs> funny. That is funny. That's where I'm like, yeah. she's she she is the underdog, but also the greatest player in the world. There were moments where I was like, oh, she's clearly better than the number two ranked player in the world who may or may not have been suffering from long COVID, as we told you yesterday, thanks to Alabaster. But the point is, Dominique, like it was a rare, like perverse pleasure to watch Serena like beat her down, right? In that third set. So she I don't know, did she poop? She went in the back. And then so came she back. says, good question. Yeah, she she said, said it wasn't poop. It was not number two. And so she threw up? That's on I the mean, table. I mean, Is that number zero? It's zero or one or two? Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, number when three. she came back. Barford should be number three. Can we establish yeah. that? Yeah, we just we just <laughs> set it in the rule books. It is now established <laughs> as it's number three. Yeah. Um, I don't so that that's the thing with greatness, is you often see is that they cannot summon that greatness as regularly as they used to when they get older. But we saw her, I think, summon it for extended periods of time, longer than I expected. Like, I fully (laughs) expected her to lose. I knew about the long COVID. Same. Like, she did not play, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a a doctor. Uh, I can't tell you what someone who's suffering from long COVID looks like. (laughs) However, she didn't seem winded. She didn't seem like mentally fogged. She was sharp. Like there were points in that match where I was like, damn, she's good. And then Serena just kind of, I hate it. I hate the the terminologies what? that I'm being forced what to use you, okay. by, use by Serena. She just wanted it more. She oh just, God. She just, <laughs> she just, she just like, sometimes the great ones say not today. And that's what she did. Yeah, like, you saw you like... saw her face contort into more of a sort of stank orientation, where yeah. it's like, oh, she knows, she knows how hard this service. <laughs> I was like, wow, she she really does serve that ball, huh? With the thought I had, <laughs> it yeah. was it was incredible to watch, and not that I'm a tennis expert, but it seemed like even the tennis experts had a hard time explaining the the um, strategic shifts of the match. It was yes. more like Serena was like, you know what? I'm Serena. And that's so fun to watch. It was so fun. And enjoy. 
There were some rallies, again, like, I'm going to sound just like a rank amateur here, but yeah, it was fun watching them go back and forth. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Yeah, I, I'm like, <laughs> yes, just like all that. It was just really, it was like a really good match to watch. But then on top of that, right, can we just talk about, you mentioned how tennis experts did not see this happening. I certainly didn't. You didn't. Like, no one reasonably should have. Obviously, like the USTA did not either. Because they re-ran Oprah's video. Yeah, that was unfortunate. What that the was hell was that? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell and was that? We all saw it on Wednesday. Yeah. Or rather earlier this week. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I assume they weren't going to do anything. Like, I think that's the move. Do nothing. And interview Serena, let her talk about the big red X on her back from 1999. Which was such a great yeah. quote. Let I've had her, an X on my back since 99 is, you yeah, can um when she was asked if she surprised herself, let her make that face like, you know who I am? Which was yep. outstanding. Like, that was so much better than rewatching this video. We didn't even have Gail this time. Like, we didn't even have Gail. And I mean, it was confusing because the message, and this is to answer to respect the question, I suppose, inadvertently. But the answer is that we should expect her to, like, make the quarterfinals now. Yeah. You know, I've done some cursory Googling, Alabaster. It feels like the draw is now set up for Serena to not be given these videos afterwards, which are waving goodbye. They should be like, yo, we're, like, going to be watching her for a bit now. Yeah. And, like, so hand up. Before this tournament, I watched her two, like, you know, warm-up tournaments at the Masters 1000s in Toronto and Cincinnati. And I thought she was cooked. And then I watch her matches here. And there's a really simple explanation of why Serena is awesome again and can beat anyone in oh, this tournament oh, oh, on this oh, oh. court. Is, is it because she wanted it more? Uh, sure. That can be part of it. But okay. the biggest thing, the two <laughs> most important shots in tennis are the serve and the return of serve. Movement and playing rally balls are important but less important than that and i think me being a meatball i was like oh her timing's off she's cooked it might have been that she just needed to play a few matches because now she is serving and returning like the best player in the world and watching serena take three steps inside of the baseline and then load yeah. on second serves in these two matches has to be terrifying for anyone in this draw period full stop yeah um i did notice that uh Contavet was crying in the press conference afterwards. Oh, I didn't like, see that. Wait, describe yeah. wait, what happened. I, I I saw the Oprah video and then fell asleep. Yeah. Um, so, so. Uh, I mean, she did. She got up and walked off in tears. The press conference. She was just kind of. Um, she wasn't complaining, but she was just pointing out how difficult it was to play in that environment. Oh, where it's that like totally everyone understandable. Everyone hates you. It <laughs> is rooting against you. And and you're in America. And America's great or the greatest so, of all times. Like that was that's a lot. We should, for we should talk about that Dominique. Uh, champion. I, I think this story, this match, obviously it's about Serena, but the particularly unique atmosphere that is the U.S. Open, at Arthur Ashe, at night, celebrities in the crowd, many celebrities wearing sunglasses in the crowd, a move I hope to emulate one day. Everybody basically saying to Serena in their screams, we will do whatever you want us to do, right? To where the judge 
is saying like, please shut up now because this is, I mean, just because of decorum, I suppose, but also because like, it was kind of uncomfortable at times. Like, yo, she is so, so alone in ways that I don't know the last time I saw something like this. Can you imagine Serena in the opposite position? And that's what I was thinking is, oh, man. I imagine what I would want to see is I in would want to see somebody. Yeah, I would want to see somebody that's defiant. Like, I'm going to slay your champ and I'm going to yes. scream and destroy Gladiator them. Style. And and Contevet didn't have that in her. She had the ability. It felt like in that second set, it felt like all was lost, honestly, oh, at certain times. Yeah. But once things Ridiculous got a little tough her. again for her, it seemed like she, that's not fair to say she fell apart. She played fine. Serena just, just serenaed. And it was, yes. it was awesome so that's, from start that's, to finish. That's, that's kind of the, and you're right. Like I watched her and I was like, wow, this is an impressive psychological display, if nothing else. She is not breaking. She is not crying. She's not like wrenching her face. She is deliberately holding it all in to the point where I guess she had to let it all out. Like after the presser, when she was actually done, which I, as a human level, just like I, I totally now piece it all together. makes sense. But man, dude, like <laughs> the, the, the idea that maybe the, maybe the good news for her is this. Like weeks from now, months from now, maybe hours from now, this will officially go down in the books like you lost to Serena Williams yeah. and not like you choked against the person who's 43 That's what she and said. was saying, everybody, I'm retiring. I, I think uh, one of her responses was there's no shame in losing to Serena, which is absolutely right. So why are you crying? It's another question. But um, I did learn last night over Twitter that our colleague, Robert Griffin III, his yeah. wife is also from Estonia. So... It was, it was contentious in the household. <laughs> RG, RG3 came out on top. I don't know if there's a price to pay for that. I'm but. not built for the Estonian Gladiator remake, man. I can't. <laughs> I'm not trying to be Maximus yeah. in, in, in uh, Estonia. He's Sorry. Braver man than me, because if my wife was from Estonia, I'm not, I'm not rude for anybody. I'm sitting in the house quiet. And Especially when you're yelling because no one else is making noise, like <laughs> in the arena. It's a rough place to be. But anyway, um, yeah. So you got to win. Is, is how far or is? Oh yeah, is no, Coco <laughs> is Coco on the other side of bracket. Could we potentially get yeah, a Serena versus Coco? Let, let us know. That's the one that I want to. If I'm going to take anything into existence, how to take anything into existence? I want that. But I don't know if they'll meet. I would love to see. I, Okay, maybe I maybe I'm not being honest here, but right now I feel like it'd be awesome if Coco Golf beat her in the finals. That like that to me feels like like a poetic yes. and surprising outcome. In 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 the movie about Coco Golf, that is the yeah. perfect ending. But the problem in is the movie about the movie. Serena Williams, which is the movie everybody wants to watch. I feel like we may be setting up Coco for I mean, something Rocky, quite different. Rocky lost in in Rocky. Like it could be a movie about um the person. So you're that saying Serena's going to come back later for a sequel in which she's coaching like someone yes, else, exactly. The son she of she's gonna uh, be of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Alabaster, right. I feel like we've impressed you with our tennis knowledge. Not at all. You have. I thought it's been great. I will say, I do think the Coco thing would be great. But there's also there's another juicy story that she could play Iga Sviantek in the finals, and the juicy part about that it's not as juicy for the American viewing population, but it no, could this be is a, a tennis nerd one. It yeah. could be coming up. Or she's the best 
women's player since Serena. She had a 35-plus match winning streak this year, which broke Venus's record. And seeing a career close with the passing of the torch would be very cool as well. Is she a black American woman? No. I'm good. Coco. <laughs> she could play both of them for the record. Coco. Uh, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe she needs to, I don't know if the draw is like this, but like, yeah, maybe she needs to beat Serena so Coco can avenge her. She would, she would you know? play Coco ahead of that. She would play Coco in the, uh, in the quarterfinals. Oh, so she beats Coco. Aww. Serena beats her to avenge Coco. No, no, no. Serena mm-hmm. would play her in the quarter. Oh, like play, uh, would play Coco in the quarter. Okay. That's the one I want. All right. So, yeah, then we'll take – who's this person that, whose name I need to know that I don't know? Iga Sviantek, uh, known as the okay. Eganator. Oh, okay. Is she really known as the Eganator? <laughs> yes. It's a hilarious thing. We're going to workshop that. We're also country. The of Death and the Eganator are two things we're going to workshop. Today. Where is she oh. from? I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. We got a couple one of the chances Please. we can go on to uh, to finish out the show. Um, you know, Baker went mini viral for saying he was gonna, you know, bleep up the Browns in Week One. He's walking that back, and uh, my question is, what are the chances he actually said it? We have uh, some video for you to listen to. So let's listen well, to the video first. first I didn't I say thought. it's um, obviously. I mean. Everybody's going to write whatever story they want. There's history that I played there the last four years. Uh, I'm an extremely competitive person. Uh, everybody knows that. If I wasn't wanting to win, then there would be a, a really big issue uh, of me being the quarterback here. So um, I want to win in everything I do. That's, that'll never change. Now, uh, that is not how I phrased it. That's not even what I said. So that, that's, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't believe him is my first thought. Um, and I say that with no evidence. I just say that because, as he himself admitted, Dominique, this is very much a thing that he would feel. Yeah. The question of whether he said it or not, like, this is what's weird about this story. Like, there are two stories here. One is the question of, like, what does it matter that he maybe allegedly did say this? The other story is, like, Well, I guess the other story is really like, isn't it stupid that the first story is a story? <laughs> yeah. So I, this is an interesting story, more interesting than on its face, because I want to F them up. Is like, to me, football is almost a combat sport. And at no point. I would call we, it a combat sport, actually, yeah, now that you but, phrase it like that. But I mean, the, the sports that we consider combat sports, like, MMA and boxing, the trash talk is like ingrained in the sport <laughs> because like yeah, if, go to a UFC if, press conference right, sometime. If the point of our competition on some level is to hurt the opponent, which is true in both of these sports, on some level you want people to get hurt. On you don't want them to get injured, but you want them to feel some pl- some pain. It's very odd that we bring these other American team sports like. Um, expectations to football, where it's like, don't say I'm going <laughs> to F them up. <laughs> of course, that's what I'm going to say. Of course, that's how I feel. It's just weird because at no point will we be like, Conor McGregor said he's going to kill someone in the <laughs> ring. Well, let me put down my money on uh, to watch this fight. So it, it feels very weird. But I also, if I remember correctly, this was something that uh, Cynthia said that Baker kind of yelled while he was on the field, right? 
No, so what happened? I mean, this is this is where there's a there's actually a third story here, which is like, how did this get out there? Because it's important to note this was not like an, a headline that Cynthia Freeland, the reporter, like right. made. Mm. She was on a podcast. She was kind of goaded into telling a story that she implicitly seemed to have told her co-hosts right. at some point, and she relayed it as like part of a conversation that was almost social in nature. Yeah, and that's Alabaster, the, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong there, but it, there was. Dominic, I think a real question, if you're Baker, what Baker could be aggravated by is like, I told you that in a social context, yeah. not in a journalistic, I want people to know that I said this context. Yeah, that's the part that I was I was getting towards is you can't say anything to reporters unless you say off the record. Like, that's just kind of, yeah, and it's this is, because this I, is I do like, I understand guys talk like that and and he probably said something similar to people he he considers friends and they have a previous relationship so i suspect that he said it and he didn't expect that Same she was going to go say it on the podcast and i, I mean it's all fair i'm not upset at her i don't want to but that's her but that's essential it. though but it's essential dominique to the first story which i identified which is like What's the impact here? Because the only reason this seems to cross a line, albeit a line that is ridiculous for the reasons you said, right? Like it's a line that we've drawn to make football more polite. But the <laughs> truth is like people in locker rooms seemingly throughout history have taken this to be bulleted board material. The crossing of that line does resonate. Yeah. And the question, right? Like, okay, is then if he never meant for you to hear it, do you really care? Should you care? Because the whole point is that that's the offense. You've crossed the line. Feeling something, telling your mom, I'm going to fuck up the Browns. Like, are you offended that he would tell of his friend that? Of course like, you care. Put yourself in those shoes. If someone was like, hey, I'm going to destroy Debatable behind your back. Once you found out that they said it, you would be offended. Like, it's but only Dom, But Dominique, but, 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 but this is where I, I struggle to wrap my mind around sports psychology, mm -hmm. because obviously you want to fuck up Debatable if you're a show that's about to play Debatable in week right. one. Right. Like, like to me, the, the, the moral crime here, Alabaster, if there is one, is that you would have said this in public because that is disrespectful. So he, I see what you're saying, but he didn't say, all right, Alabaster, go ahead. You got an interjection. Then so I'll can I just give my, my, my two cents for one second on this? And that is we've broken Baker because old Baker would have stood by this. Yeah, but we've mocked him to the point That's that we're, like this dude's going to get cooked in week one by the Browns because the Panthers yeah. aren't that good and the Browns have a better roster. And that quote, I'm going to bleep up the Browns is yeah. going to be everywhere when he has 186 yards and two interceptions in week one. And yeah. that's what I think is why he is walking this back. Um, so he's, he never oh, so the opponent, out, So the so. opponent, well, so, but, but Dominique, what Alabaster is saying here is, is useful. He's saying that the opponent here for Baker is not the Browns, it's the internet. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And that's fair. It's his, his own personal pride and shame that yes. he is trying to protect the and he didn't say i want to he said i'm going to so that's a difference uh, implying that you are capable <laughs> of is an insult whether you say it behind someone's back or not and i don't understand like that's you say fair, the player the sports psychology as if it's so drastically different than like human psychology we're people too and i don't believe that you <laughs> are above the idea if of you being cut me do i not yeah. bleed I don't believe that you are above the idea of 
feeling insulted when you find out someone said something behind your back. Oh, of course like, not. Of whether course they not. meant for you to hear it or not, it doesn't matter. It still pisses you off. But can However, I, can I last thing I'll link? say, okay. please, please, please. General, generally, I think bulletin board material is like stupid and worthless. It's like the idea is that now they're going to try harder. Well, that, that's, that's, that's where I'm getting at, right? Is like, if there is, it, it seems to me, and Alabaster, I want you to double check the thing I'm about to say here, because when I saw it, I was startled by it. But it seems to me that the thing that the Browns should be most offended by is the fact that in Las Vegas, they are two and a half point underdogs to the Panthers. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like in any given week of bulletin board material, right? Where someone's saying, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. The thing you should be most offended by is the allegedly impartial arbitrator and Alabaster confirms the impartial arbitrators in Vegas who are saying, actually, they're better. And I have no dog in this fight outside of like, yeah, the lines being what they are. Yeah, I mean, the impartial arbitrator is not completely impartial. As we do anytime odds come up on this show, we point out that the point of the odds right, is get to get more to money in. So like the, Touché. Common, Touché. the common fan knows who Baker Mayfield is, and the common fan knows that the starting quarterback for the Browns won't be there. So I, I think that's the reason for the line. It's not necessarily – I guess you could argue that the fact that the line is close enough – is the insult that's that's, that's the insult yeah, but it, yeah it's it makes sense to me that that is the line because they feel like that's the way they can make the most money <laughs> is people coming in believing that baker's actually going to do this yeah I, I i i i i cannot shake the idea now that like baker mayfield um isn't fun anymore yeah i mean like that's that's what we've lost no alabaster's totally right good job guys you ruined it He's we, gonna, we ruined he's, him. He's going to be fun, though. He's going to be fun if they play well. That's what it boils down to. Mm. You don't think Baker is going to be, like, taunting them during the game if he's scoring touchdowns? <laughs> you don't think Baker is going to, like, reemerge as cocky Baker talking <laughs> all gonna, types of shit he, in the postgame? He's going to be dancing like the white kid in an HBCU. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. Or, or you're dancing right. like him in college. <laughs> he's going to be doing <laughs> All of that stuff, <laughs> taking flags in the middle of the field. That's the Baker move. And you did it yes. exactly as well as he did it. Congratulations. So I know. The weird thing before we move on or okay, I guess we're moving on. Wow. The weird, the weird thing about all of this is I find myself wanting Baker to win, which is me too. Not something that I imagined. I like I want bad Baker back. I'm just glad you don't want to fuck up debatable, Dominique. I do not. I mean, By I the feel way, like the unnecessary profanity, we could curtail. We could, we could curtail. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't have to just say fuck because we haven't gotten in trouble for it yet. You, you, you're saying that on the Dominique Foxworth show, now available on Apple Podcasts, you will be curtailing your profanity? Fuck. <laughs>